you are divine. Hello there, my beautiful pumpkins, and welcome back to Divine Authenticity. I'm really excited about today's episode, but I do want to start it out by saying that please remember that I am human. I don't think I'm always going to get every single thing correct, and I'm doing my best. I'm trying to come at this from an educated standpoint. I've wanted to talk about this topic for a long time, and I think the information is valuable, but I also see where this information – it I see where there can be error, and I want to speak on it but I also want you to know that I am not like the end-all be-all source and I'm human and I still might make mistakes even if my intentions are the best. So today I want to talk about the, basically the magic or the ritual behind people who menstruate. And I'm saying people who menstruate because I don't think we need to gender, we need to gender it, you know. I don't I feel like when we say women who menstruate, we don't leave room for non-binary. We don't leave room for trans. We don't leave, you know, I just think it excludes a lot of people. And so I'm going to do my best to frame it in that context of people who menstruate. And I also want to say that if you don't menstruate anymore, if you've gone through menopause, if you've had a hysterectomy, you still are cyclical and you still are attached to these archetypes and to this information. And I also want to say that I'm coming at this information from a place of my own experience. I'm not trying to say that your experience will be like mine. I'm not trying to say that anybody who identifies as um, cisgendered male is less magical in some way. I would even argue that in some way cisgendered men or people who do not menstruate, I think is a better way of putting that. See, look, I'm already putting my foot in my mouth, y'all. Um, people who do not menstruate. I would argue that they also have a cycle of their own that maybe we haven't put enough study into. So the thing I want to cover today is information that I think is valuable. I think people who menstruate need this stuff. I think that the more and more and more I have sunk into it myself and trying to understand and learn, the more powerful I feel like I have become. And like, not powerful, like, oh, I'm so mad with power, but like, the more in love with myself and self-compassionate I have been able to come. And that I think is really what I'm getting at is I feel like I am reclaiming my own power through this. And this might be something that you're interested in. It might be something that you are totally uninterested in. And I'm, I'm here to remind you that I'm human. I'm doing my best. And this is kind of vulnerable for me to be in a field or talk about a field or an area of study that I feel very passionately about just through my own experience, but to also admit that I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. All I can do is give you similar resources and share my story. And so that's what we're doing today. This may resonate with you. It might not. I understand that I'm not for everyone and I'm not supposed to be. So 
Um, if this content does resonate with you and you get something out of it, I appreciate that. I hope that you do. And even if you're somebody that does not menstruate or never has, uh, this still might be an interesting listen because you might know somebody who does, right? Or who has, and it might explain some things. So <laughs> the first thing I want to mention is something that I always feel like I have to mention when we talk about this kind of work and this kind of study and this magical realm of really what I consider to be the womb space, right? Is a lot of the information that I receive about this and have studied and put into practice with my own body, it does come from Lisa Lister, which I know I just hear me out for two seconds. You don't like it. You can totally leave and catch me next week. I know a lot of people have a hard time with Lisa Lister's work and I understand why. And I need to just say that first and foremost, my introduction to witchcraft, though I do not share all of the same beliefs as Lisa Lister, uh, was the book Witch that she wrote. It opened the door for so much for me. And even though I have my own opinions, I don't think that witchcraft is reserved for uh, cisgendered cisgender women. I don't think that, you know, uh, men or male representation cannot be witches. I mean, my own husband, who is cisgender male, does identify as a witch. Like, I definitely do not share in that ideology. And I know that every time I bring up Lisa Lister, I feel like a lot of the people in the magic community, the witchcraft community, that's the first thing they want to say is, oh, we don't support her here. Da, 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 da. And this actually really kind of upsets me <laughs> because even if you dig into it a little bit, a tiny fraction, Lisa Lister herself has, and I'm not saying it, it makes up for publishing what I consider to be a more popular book and maybe spreading information that is harmful. I'm not saying that that totally makes amends and we should never hold people accountable. But even if you look into it a little bit and you don't just listen to information that is being regurgitated by other people, she herself has made statements on this about how she doesn't get to decide who identifies as, as a witch and who doesn't. She's literally just sharing her perspective on the work that she has done with working with, to my understanding, cisgendered women. That's what her study is in. I don't think that means that if somebody who identified as trans came to her and wanted to work with her, she would turn them away. And I feel like that's how people treat her is like, she just doesn't support any other community. And this is not a Lisa Lister, like appreciation podcast or anything. I just see how her work to me is still very necessary. And I think it's sad that so many people want to come at her with pitchforks and just run her off of the internet when, I mean, gosh, like I said, I feel like she has even tried to make amends with that. And everybody, especially like in witch talk and stuff, always want to cancel her. And I just don't support cancel culture, period, point blank, period. I don't support it. I don't think it's good for anybody. I don't think it leaves room for people to grow and people to change or to, you know, I think it's okay to want to hold people accountable, but just to silence them and run them off. I just don't think it's, it's, it's not loving. It doesn't help anybody. <laughs> and anyways, all of this to say, 
a lot of the information that I have does come from her source and her experiences. And I have put some of those things into my own practice and I have seen things work for me. So if you don't like that, you don't want to support that. I totally understand. Um, I'm just letting you know that even though I've used this and I like this stuff, I don't hold those same stances. And this is why it's taken me so long to make an episode like this is because I didn't want to do it quote unquote wrong. And instead, I'm just going to show up authentically, share with you my experience, share with you my own beliefs. And that's going to be that. So I know this was like the longest intro ever. Um, I will be linking some of Lisa Lister's work down below because there's more than just that book, which that a lot of people have a problem with. Uh, I've read almost every book that she has come out with, except the new one I have not read yet. Uh, but I've read all of her other pieces of work and all of them have helped me. So um, the first thing I want to say now that we've got that out of the way is I want to talk a little bit about my body and my story, and maybe some of y'all will relate, but in terms of, and as I move forward in this story, I'm only going to be talking about my experience. So what I perceived at that time that it meant to be a woman and how I felt, not necessarily from my adult mind, you know, what does that even mean to be a woman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to kind of share like the earlier time and then get into more of the now and how, I don't even know how to say this. I don't know how to like, <sighs> this is hard. This is, I can do hard things. I can do hard things. Um, I'm saying that more for myself than for y'all. It's hard because like I said, I don't want to do it wrong and I don't want to, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I often think that when we get to this place of feeling like we can't even speak because we think we're going to do it so backwards and wrong, it totally takes away from the message of authenticity. So as I express this, I'm going to do my best but I want it to come from an authentic place with my own authentic voice. So that's, that's the, that's the intention I'm moving forward with. So growing up, um, I want to say I got my first menstrual cycle. Oh, and we will be talking extensively about periods, menstrual, menstrual cycles, the vagina, the whole shebang. Um, I am a firm believer that there is nothing wrong with having a menstrual cycle, and I will not silence myself because people think it's gross or weird. It's extremely normal for people who menstruate to have a menstrual cycle. And I am definitely here for the rise of the divine feminine. I am here for the feminine. I am here to stop silencing this piece of us. I'm tired of it. And I think it's weird that we've done this as a culture. Even when you look at like tampon commercials they show the tampon dipped in like blue liquid. They don't even show it in a red liquid. They don't even try to pretend that it's normal for people who menstruate to have blood come out of their body like that. And I refuse to do that. I will not sit here and censor myself. I will not apologize. And so if that also makes you uncomfortable. This is not the episode for you. Um, though I would be surprised if it did only because I feel like y'all know by listening to this podcast just how brazen and open I am. 
And yeah, <laughs> I'd be surprised. But in any case, so the start, where did it start? I don't actually remember how old I was when I got my first period. I call my menstrual cycle my period. I know that's not the technical term for it, but that's what I refer to it as. I want to say I was maybe like 13, maybe 14 at most, but I don't even think I was that old. I think I was about 13. And I'll never forget it. <laughs> I had really bad cramps at dinner. And I didn't know they were cramps because I'd never experienced cramps before. And I remember I went home that night and I got in the shower and their blood ran down my leg in the shower. And I was like, oh, I knew exactly what it was. You know, I'd had like the talk. I have four older sisters. Um, if I ever asked my mom a question, she might only give me the technical information, but she was always very honest with me. And so I didn't feel like I was unprepared, but I definitely felt like this moment in time was never marked with anything special. And we're going to talk about that in particular today, how if you are someone who menstruates, how we can start making this a sacred and special thing, because the more that I have done this, the more like I could cry talking about it because it is such a, for me, it is such a spiritual time and it is such a self-connected and gentle time if you allow it to be. And Again, I'm not going to have the answer for everybody. I know there are so many struggles out there and we'll get into that too, but at least from my perspective, we'll get into it. But I just remember this not being a special thing. And I even remember like my sister right above me, uh, when she got her first period, cause in families, if you have siblings, like, I don't know if y'all are close to your siblings, but y'all talk about it. At least we did. And when my sister got her period, it was this special thing. Like my dad was out of town at, for work that week. And all of us girls, all of my sisters and my mom, we all got together and we got takeout Olive Garden and we had a candlelit dinner to honor my sister's quote unquote entrance into womanhood, right? That was how we were terming it back then. And this was so special. It, 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 it made me, I remember it. Like I actually remember she's four years older than me. So I would have been about nine or 10 at the time, I think somewhere in that range. And I remember this evening. I remember how special it was. I remember she was kind of embarrassed. Of course. I feel like as we, um, I say, of course, but like, I hope if I ever have a child that menstruates that they don't feel embarrassed and that I can empower them enough to not feel that. But I do feel like there was a shyness about it, but I remember it feeling very special and it felt very like intimate and like we really had the bond of sisterhood. And I don't know if anybody else in my family has ever talked about this. I probably should bring it up with my sisters, but I remember this feeling like a really intimate moment and how special it was that we all had this with our mother, this, you know, I know we've talked a lot about my mom, but in this instance, it felt very like matriarchal and in a positive way. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, like, I can't wait till I get my period. I can't wait until it's my turn. And when it was my turn, we didn't do any of that. We did not have a special candle at dinner. Uh, my mom handed me a fat stack of pads and basically said, go to town. You're not allowed to use tampons. And that was it. That was the end of it. And I remember at that age being very disappointed. Like I was disappointed that there was not more done. And 
I just thought, oh, like, I, I guess that's just what we're doing. Cool. Um, not to mention, like, I do feel that my experience, I don't believe that my mother is a very sex positive person. <laughs> I think I, I think I can stand by that that uh, allegation. I do not feel like I was raised by a very sex positive, um, either of my parents really. And because of that, you know, it it was kind of just like always talking about all the negative sides, like, oh, the cramps, oh, it makes you feel like crap, or you feel dirty or smelly or what have you. And it was never really treated like a sacred thing. And I remember wearing, I remember being told I couldn't wear tampons because my mom thought that that would be too much. Like she thought that was just crazy and outrageous. And here's the thing, y'all. I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. I still do. And with polycystic ovarian syndrome, I had horrendous, heavy, 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 heavy periods. Like I would use a super jumbo tampon and I would be going through that tampon every 90 minutes or less. And I had cramps every single day of my period, which my mom would just give me Motrin 800. And that did keep the cramps away. But nobody, I think, realized how bad it actually was. Like, I understand that in families, when you have that many kids, it's hard to keep track of everybody. But this is why I also will stand by this. This, if you have more than four kids, somebody's getting neglected. Like, I promise you, there is no way that if it's just the two of you, either you have kids acting as parents or somebody's getting neglected. I promise. Uh, I know way too many large families and I came from one myself. So I did kind of feel in that department, like I didn't even know that this wasn't normal to have such a heavy period like that until I was well into my 20s, until I would talk to my other girlfriends and they would tell me that like, oh yeah, I have a heavy period too. And then I was, I would tell them how I was knocked down, debilitated for like a week at a time. And they'd be like, oh no, it's not like that. Like, yeah, it's like heavy on day two and three. And then like everything's pretty chill and it only lasts for seven days where I might have a period that lasted for 10 days, which I know isn't technically abnormal, but the heaviness, the cramps, the fact that I would have to basically medicate the entire time and sleep through the entire thing because I was so exhausted And don't even get me started on the mood swings and everything else. I hated my period. Absolutely hated it. I feel like from the very first one I had, I was taught to just hate this experience. And I I don't want to say that it manifested into this because with PCOS, I have a hard time even discussing the condition because on one hand, I think that science is smart. And we should listen to what science has to say. And on the other hand, I think spiritually, sometimes we manifest illness as a dis-ease in the body. And I don't think we can discount either side. I think we have to find ways to merge them together. And with PCOS, and it being my own experience... I haven't quite come to the full conclusion on that yet. (laughs) I haven't explored it quite enough to know how I want to feel about it or how I want to label it or what I think about it. So 
I'm not going to sit here and tell you if you have endometriosis or PCOS or heavy periods or lengthy um, days in between cycles. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's something so spiritually wrong with you because I don't think that that's the whole truth. But I also am not going to tell you to discount that either. If there's something intuitively that you feel like maybe needs to change, maybe change it. And I feel like that part of this conversation kind of came out of left field. That's what happens when you talk to somebody that deals with ADHD. You get like a bunch of tangents. Sometimes they're all on the same thread and sometimes they aren't. But in any case, the real issue to me came when I would go six to nine months without a period. And again, nobody thought this was weird. Like, I have never from the time that I started menstruating, have I ever had a period come consistently up until right now, which we'll get into right now later. I've never experienced what that was like to have it be regulated, except, except, except there was a brief period in high school where I took Accutane at my dermatologist recommendation. And I'm not trying to say that Accutane is something you should ever do. In fact, I don't even know if I agree with it. There are so many side effects to Accutane that I don't know if it was worth it or not. Even though I very seldom deal with acne now and that's kind of nice, but I think the drug is so harsh that I don't know that I would agree with it now. Let me get a little sip of water in here. So... When you're on Accutane, you have to take birth control. They make you. <laughs> they, you have to get like a pregnancy test every month, a blood test every month. And they force you to do it this way because apparently Accutane can cause really bad birth defects. So they want to know if you're pregnant. And at that point in time, I was sexually active, at least in my like, I think like 17, age 17, I was sexually active. Um, even though my doctor did not know that because that's a whole nother story. We could have the purity discussion another time. Um, I think I've talked about it before on the podcast, but in any case, there was a time period where I was on the pill or the birth control for, I want to say like a year, maybe a little more than a year. And I had every single month I had what is technically not even a period. Uh, it actually gives you a false period. And I have a lot of opinions on the pill. I want to state that when it comes to the pill, do what feels best for your body. Do not take, like, I'm not a medical professional. I can't tell you what to do. I can't prescribe to you anything. I can't, and I that goes for this entire episode. Whatever we talk about here, I'm not a medical professional. I can give you my opinions on things. I can tell you where I've learned certain things. My personal opinion, not a medical opinion, is that the pill is literally good for no one. And it was literally designed because people... I think it was designed for several reasons. Number one, to keep women working when in reality, when your cycle comes around, you really should be made to rest. And, or technically we're always in the cycle, but when the bleeding phase of your cycle comes around, you're really made to rest. And I feel like the pill was made to basically try to counter that so we could have women continue to work or people who menstruate, my apologies, people who menstruate continue to work when we really shouldn't be doing that. And same with like the pill just really gets in there and fucks your whole shit up. <laughs> and I'm so sorry to put it that way. 
I have read, and I'm going to leave you with a bunch of resources at the bottom of this podcast, and I'm going to talk about them a little bit. Um, I have read so many books, so many books, (laughs) so many books on the vagina, the pussy, you know, I've I just all of it and the reproductive system, some of them made by doctors, some of them not. And my conclusion and their conclusion is that the pill is just not good. And if you can not take it, it is highly suggested that you don't. Uh, however, again, I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's your choice. And the only thing I will say is if you feel compelled to research that further, definitely check out the books that I will link down below for you after we discuss them and just educate yourself. See where you can try something different and what that could actually look like for you. And if you want to keep taking the pill, keep taking the pill. I am, like I said, I am by no means a professional that can tell you how to manage your body. But for my own personal opinion, unless it was a life or death situation, you will not catch me ever on the pill again. Like... After reading everything that I read about it, it's just to me, it is actually not for women, I think, or people who menstruate. I think it is very, very against, if you want to get technical, it goes very against our own natural cycles and it has lasting effects. Like some of them have actual lasting damaging effects. So in my opinion, it is not worth it. The The pros far or the cons far outweigh the list of pros. So you will not catch me on that. And there are ways that you can avoid pregnancy without it. So, and I'm not just talking about condoms. There are other ways of going about it. Uh, And like I said, when we get to the resources section, I'll give you more information on that. But in any case, I've never had a period that just came consistently ever. It just was not something that I was ever privy to. And I don't know why, maybe because at that age I got on the pill and I was having a period every month, even though it's not a real period, it, it was giving the illusion that I was. And so we just never talked about it. And then when I got off my parents' insurance, I was already living out of their house and I just chose to never have it looked at. I chose to never go in and see what was up. And I want to say I was like 26 when I finally talked to my healthcare provider, excuse me, my, my doctor, and we discovered that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. And here's the thing that is really upsetting. I was just given a prescription for metformin and sent on my way because I said, I'm not trying to get pregnant. I don't even know if I ever want children. And so they said, oh, here's metformin and here's birth control. Bye. And I know those of you that struggle with polycystic ovarian syndrome or endometriosis or any sort of reproductive health issue, many of you, that is your experience. I know that I'm not alone in that because I've read way too many stories of this because healthcare professionals aren't always taught. And there's frankly, I don't think there's enough research in, in reproductive health. I don't, I think it's really weird that there isn't more and I don't know why I don't know why it's like this, but I just kind of thought with that kind of attitude, I was like, well, I guess it's not really worth looking into. I guess I'm just going to not, and I'm not trying to have kids. So, you know, it's not a really big deal. Polycystic ovarian syndrome would make it hard for me to have kids anyways. So maybe I should just be counting my blessings and I only really have a period every nine months. So it doesn't really matter. And I'm just going to ignore this really important piece of my life And so 
that's kind of where I've been for several years, just having one horrendous period every four months. And again, I'm not talking about like, oh, I just bleed quote unquote heavy. It's like I've switched to using cups now. The cup holds so much. The cup holds so much blood and I can still fill one of those within an hour's period. Like, and I think, I don't know if, I don't actually know still to this day, I still need to go and see like a general practitioner about finding out more about my body. But I just feel like that is what I decided to subject myself to because I wasn't listened to was just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to have this one horrendous period every nine months where I'm bleeding uncontrollably. I'm sleeping all day. I'm there was one time where I had a crazy period. I don't even know if I've ever talked about this where it was so bad that I went to the emergency room and because I had gotten up to go to the restroom and I, I almost passed out, like being up on my feet. It made me feel so lightheaded. I don't know if it's because I was just losing a lot of blood because I know that the blood there and like the blood in your body, I don't think there's necessarily a correlation there. I'm not really sure what was happening. I want to say it also might have been a bit of a hydration thing because once I went to the ER and they like put me on a drip, everything was fine. But it just heavy, heavy flow, super heavy flow, <laughs> heavy flow, like what, what the period industry or like the feminine hygiene products, whatever uh, industry quotes as a heavy period. I was basically experiencing that on like gigazor mecha dragon steroids and I would be sleeping not like eating any carbs or like anything any protein and carbs I could get my hands on when I felt okay enough to eat and it would just wreck it would wreak havoc on my life like anytime I had a period I would have to take myself out of work and it was just horrendous and Anyways, I feel like I'm like stumbling over this part for some reason. For some reason, I'm having a really hard time giving an authentic voice to the experience of my pain. And I don't know why. Like, I have heard countless women or people who menstruate, apologies. <sighs> Keep doing it. Gosh. <laughs> I have heard countless stories from people who menstruate in my own life of having like debilitating pain and I listen very intently to those stories, but for some reason, when it comes to me, I still haven't totally found my authentic voice with it. And you're literally listening to me. Well, it's pre-recorded, but for me, this is in real time. I'm like kind of going through this with myself and being like, oh, it really is that bad, isn't it? Um, in any case, all of this finally started to shift when um, I want to say I read which first. And I don't actually remember if she talks, well, she must, because a lot of her stuff is rooted in the menstrual cycle. But that I think opened a whole new doorway for me. And then I read her other book, Loving Your Lady Landscape, which opened the door even wider for me. And then recently, I read her book Code Red, which I have this one sitting here with me because I want to talk about some of the stuff in it, which is know your flow, unlock your monthly superpowers and create a bloody amazing life, period. And this this book goes through like the cycle as a whole and gives you so much great information on 
basically how to get into your magic when it comes to the menstrual cycle and what each stage means and what archetypal phase you're in and how to use that time to either move in a certain way or rest in a certain way and not with judgment, not with fear, but to actually empower yourself. And since I have started putting these things into practice, even though my window for my menstrual cycle is still larger than the average person, I have started to notice a difference. But I'm trying to think of like the best segue into this <laughs> because I feel like there's so much I want to say. Like I could almost make this a two-part podcast because I think there's just so much I want to say. So let's go ahead and hear a word from our sponsors and hopefully I'll figure out some kind of a segue into it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, so I want to segue into where it started to change, what I've changed, and what my experience is. And I want to preface this by saying this did not all transpire overnight. This has been years of me on and off dedicating myself back to myself. And I think that's the best way that I can put it. This all started probably around 2016, 2017. Also, I apologize if you can hear anything. I don't know what my husband is doing in his office right now. He's making all kinds of ruckus. Um, but in 2016, 2017, that was when I started to like dip my toes into more of a spiritual practice. Um, especially leading into 2018. And then it just like has continued from there. So 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, it's been about six years, six years of me. And I say on and off because I don't think I've ever been more focused on my own healing than I have been last year and now this year. So prior to this, it was kind of on and off. And now the faucet has just been turned all the way on. And I am just like constantly working on it. Uh, because I've seen such good things come out of this. But my first my first experience was getting into Lisa Lister. She was just somebody I started reading stuff from I was in a really hard time in my life at the time that I read the book, Witch, and that book gave me such insight and I loved it and it opened my mind and it opened me up to concepts. It opened me up to feminism. It opened me up to really reclaiming the power of the pussy is exactly how I'm going to say it. But it really opened me up to, and if you don't like the word pussy or the word cunt, like I have book recommendations for you, friend, uh, those words are actually powerful words and it's a whole thing, but that's not even what I want to talk about right now. So I'm not going to get sidetracked, but it started there. It started with the book, Witch and learning more about how to work with your menstrual cycle, how to work with that power and to recognize it as a superpower instead of, you know, battling it off or being upset or and mind you I'm someone I need to just like put this into perspective for you for a moment I know that that's easy to say like oh like don't put your don't put your menstrual cycle down don't talk badly about it blah 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 I need to put this into perspective that 
sometimes, even up until now, my cramps are so bad, I will be in fetal position crying. Like, this still happens today. And I have been able to find love for my cycle through it. And I've been able to push through those pain barriers. Now, that might not be the work that everybody wants to do. And I totally understand. I think all is welcome and all is accepted. But I want you to know that even if you have the worst relationship with your body when it comes to menstruating, there is still like there is still a possibility for you. You are still able to make that divine connection, even if it starts out from a place of pure hatred, because that's where I was at. <laughs> pure hatred, pure hatred. And, oh, why are you here? You make me hot. You make me feel gross, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> it really started, though, with reading Witch and I want to say like the rise up of me understanding more when it comes to feminism and like the feminism and the feminist movement. That was really where I got more into accepting the archetypes and accepting my power as somebody that does identify as somebody who menstruates and wants the rise of the feminine to exist. Because I feel like this is where we get into that like, masculine feminine divide to be honest I don't even really want there to be a divide if I could have it my way I would love it if we all just worked with this energy in unison but the thing is is that we have only seen the rise of the masculine for so 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 long and the feminine has been so suppressed and I want to say here that this is where this this conversation gets hard for me to have because I desperately want to do it justice. But at the same time, I don't want anybody to feel excluded because when we talk about divinity with divine masculine, divine feminine, it's genderless. It's not about gender. It's about the powers that be. And all of us have these energy centers within us that we have the power to gravitate towards the divine masculine. And we also have the power to gravitate towards the divine feminine. And we also have the power to equalize them. And I feel like the divine feminine, it is often helped by people, especially those that menstruate. Not always though, not always. I do think that, how do I put this? It's not necessarily helped by, but I think it is a component in a sector of femininity and the divine feminine that when we are able to treasure it, treasure the feminine in that way, it only leads to good things. And this is why I don't even know how to have this part of the conversation because, I mean, facts. <laughs> the facts are there. We don't let people who menstruate rest. We don't let, um, we're constantly expecting them just to work and do it all. You know, look at the tampon commercials, like look at how they tell you, you can ride a horseback and you can go to the beach and you can, do you know what woman on her period or what person who menstruates on their cycle wants to fucking go to the beach? None of us. If y'all want, I mean, actually, if we were doing it like red tent style, yeah, I would totally be down to go to the beach, hang out with my sisters and like just bleed together in unison under the moon with all the fucking crabs. That sounds great. But actually like riding a surfboard and like trying to hang out with people and have a part. No, mm -mm, no, honey, we're not doing that. 
So I feel like this is where I kind of get confused in talking about this conversation is I think this information is so valuable. I think that people need to know about it. I think we need to honor our natural cycles. If you menstruate or if you don't, or if you used to, and now you don't, we need to still honor this piece of us. But I don't really know how to best present this information without making it specific to people that menstruate and then also adding in divine feminine archetypes. So I'm just going to do this to my best of ability from my own authentic voice. I'm not trying to leave anybody out. I don't think that you are lesser if you don't have this or you don't do this or I'm just offering a perspective. And again, I am sharing my own story. So I'm not expecting you to take this and make it your story too. I just want you to know that if anything I say resonates with you, this might be something to look into a little bit harder for yourself. So I started reading basically a bunch of Lisa Lister's work and I loved what she had to say. And I was like, oh, this stuff is so fascinating, but I didn't really put that much into practice right away. Like I started doing some things like when I would have my cycle, which was rare anyways, I would really try to honor that. I would try to rub nice lotions on myself, get myself a nice pair of pajamas that I felt good in, make sure that I was taken care of and let myself rest and really try to remove the guilt around this need and desire to rest. Because that was a really hard part of it too, is I would rest, but I would feel so guilty about it, right? And there was one instance that I really want to share with y'all because I thought it was one of the coolest experiences. There was a time when um, I was doing like womb breathing, which you can look that up on YouTube. Somebody will talk about it and tell you how to do it, I'm sure. Um, I was doing deep womb breathing and I was just like talking to that part of my body because you can do that. You can do that with any part of your body. Just talk to it and see what comes out. You can use active imagination to do it. And I basically just really made space to hear what it wanted to say. I wrote an apology letter to my womb for always damning it every time it like did anything for me. And as I was sitting in this deep womb breathing meditation exercise, when I came out of it, I literally started my period right like immediately. And it blew my mind that just opening that conversation and making the space allowed me such a powerful release. And that was probably one of the most magical experiences of my life next to like my glamour magic that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, that was such a powerful, powerful, powerful moment for me to know that I, even with my polycystic ovarian syndrome, even with dealing with such pain and all of this stuff that I could still connect to myself in this way and it would still work for me too. And I still after that had really inconsistent cycles. And now I think this was around age like 26. I'm 30 now going to be 31 before I know it. Um, and I still don't at this time, I don't even want to say it because I believe that our words have power. But well, no, I don't I won't say it because I actually have had a little bit more consistency in recent months. I've actually had a cycle show up for the last like three months in a row, which has never happened before in my life. And I want to share with you what I have done that 
I really think has honored this and how I'm continuing to honor this sacred time for myself and this sacred space. So before we get into that, I want to talk to you about the archetypes. So everybody that menstruates, you go through a cycle. Cycle day one is the day, the first day that you're menstruating, the first day that you're bleeding. And most people, the average is a 28 to 35 day cycle. But like for myself with having my shit out of whack, I would have sometimes a 280 day cycle, but that has changed over time as I've created more space, which we'll get into. But I want to kind of start from there and just talk about the different phases of the cycle. So when we talk about the actual menstruation, day one of the cycle, we're going to talk about just like a 28 day cycle, but you can use this information, how it applies to your cycle, no matter the length. I don't want you to focus on like perfecting your cycle to be a certain length, because frankly, all of us are different. And I don't think it's about that. So with the first seven days of your cycle, let's say the day one through seven, we have the menstruation the menstruation portion where we actually embrace the crone and the crone is really cool because this, this resembles the dark moon winter. Um, it, it really, it's all about like letting things flow. It's about letting things flow naturally. And even if we think about the season of winter, right? Everything's barren. The trees are dead. They're not dead. The leaves are dead and they're gone and everything's kind of cold and you're in your house more possibly depending on where you live. You're bundled up. You're eating cozy soups. You're hibernating down for the winter and hopefully you've prepared for this stage. I want to really highlight that in the menstruation, menstruation phase. You need to prepare for your winter and I would love to run like a workshop on this someday or go to a workshop on this because I think it is so fucking cool. But if you actually prepare for that winter phase, that week period where you're menstruating, make room for it. This is what I have done and, and I'll get more into this after we talk about the different phases. When you actually prepare for the winter, like Think about your ancestors, right? They would have had to have prepared for that winter season because it wiped them out if they didn't. So if you actually prepare appropriately for the winter, now I understand some of y'all work nine to fives. Some of y'all got five kids. Some of y'all are busy. Okay, I get it. You can't all do what Chloe does, who does not work a nine to five that can afford to take a week off if I need to for myself. Yes, I have had to create that life for myself and it was not easy. I'm not trying to say that it was, but even if you can't take the week, try to give yourself an evening, especially on the day where maybe it is the hardest, depending on how your cycle is. I know everybody's different, but I know, again, we're going, we're talking about the most common quote unquote period, which make this fit how it will for yours. But most people day two and three are the hardest. And so try to take time out on those days and prepare for that. Try to set up a babysitter or set up time where your spouse can really pick up the slack if you're able to, if you have a spouse or somebody that can help, um, Ask somebody if they can just let you take a break and maybe you can return the favor, you know, if you and which the funny thing is, is usually people when they're close to each other, they cycle up like they'll cycle, we'll link up as sisters and all have our period at the same time, which is funny. Women are so cool. Our 
excuse me again i just did it again fuck me um people who menstruate are so cool gosh i feel like this is learning how to get guys out of my pro out of my pronouns no out of my uh vocabulary all over again trying to remove women when i talk about people who menstruate i'm so sorry thank you for being gentle with me and understanding that i have been conditioned to speak this way but i am no longer wishing to speak that way and i'm i'm really truly trying um but it's so crazy how that happens isn't it so preparing for that time and giving yourself the time where you can like even if you have to work a certain day of the week that week and it falls on that make sure the evening is clear you know do things ahead of time and if you follow this you will have the time to prepare ahead and you'll do it in a way that feels like it really flows out of you in a like for the best so that's in the winter season, right? And I want to, we'll talk about the winter season the most after we go over all these archetypes. And that's the crone. So then once you get out of the winter phase, you are in the pre-ovulation, which is the representational of the waxing moon, springtime, and kind of like the fool energy, which like this is really a fun time <laughs> it's it begins around day seven of your cycle and this is fun because it you feel like fresh and young and full of life and possibilities and potentials are endless you feel imaginative you feel creative but like you're not quite ready to create it's like you're dreaming up all of these ideas you're dreaming and scheming and learning new things and to me the springtime is probably one of my favorite parts of the cycle because it just allows me to be my most expansive self i'm a gemini moon with a sagittarius rising i love knowledge and expanding and i feel like the maiden really gives that to me the archetype of the maiden I thrive in those days. Now, sometimes I feel like the pre-ovulation phase or the spring phase can come a little bit early. Like you can be on day four of your cycle and then all of a sudden you start to feel that flow of that springtime coming in to your thought awareness and into your body. So it doesn't always have to be on day seven. Sometimes you can start to kind of feel its whispers early. Uh, it just really depends, but you get really imaginative. And if you've allowed yourself to rest during the winter phase, you're going to be a lot more willing to act on these ideas when the time comes because you've rested appropriately. This is why I think we should just do away with the nine to five. I think it's bullshit. And I also think that people who menstruate should be allowed to have time off of work for their cycle every single month. Um, and also giving that time to no matter if you have a cycle or not, everybody should just have the time to take that time if they want it. Ugh, it's a conversation for another time. So then after that, uh, the next phase, you move into what is known as the creatrix or the mother archetype. And this usually happens on day 13 through day 21 of your cycle. And with this archetype, the mother, you are feeling full, honey. You are feeling summer. You are feeling like fire. You are like this, I think, is a lot of people's phase because you just want to create, 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 create. And you want to like, you can do anything. You are like super powerful at this time. You are able to get things done more efficiently. You are feeling happier. Um, oftentimes this is where you feel a lot more self-assured and like you have a lot more energy within you during this time. 
And then we move into what would be the autumn, right, on that day 22. And sorry if you can hear me flipping pages. I'm getting this out of a Lisa Lister book. Uh, you you move into the premenstruation, the charmed and dangerous, as Lisa Lister calls it, which is the wise, wild woman and um, or the wise, wild person. Uh, this is all about the autumn time and the high priestess being highly. Um, I feel like, honestly, this can lead you to being being a little bit more like psychic because of like the water element and the high priestess. And it you just feel like you might start to dip like you don't you feel charmed and dangerous in the sense that like this is the time period I feel like where maybe you're a little bit more like I don't want to say temperamental because I think that that gives us a bad rap us that menstruate I don't think it has to be a bad thing but this is where like have you ever just like cried all week long and then you get your period and you're like wait that's why the fuck I was crying oh like your hormones are dipping and I know we can say this until we're blue in the face, but until you actually recognize that those hormones really do affect the way that you think they affect your emotions, they literally fuck with the chemistry of your body and you will just cry for no reason. Um, and it just like, I want to say it's like, it's more about the decreasing of the estrogen in your body. And it can also make you more anxious, more nervous, you have less serotonin. Um, it honestly can be a little bit more irritating. Like, you might even find that you are quicker to enrage, you have a shorter fuse with people. And it's ultimately because the chemistry in your body is just kind of like, I feel like I like this archetypal place because it, you are known as like the wild person, right? You don't follow any of society's rules. And it's just like, nope, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. Like, you just kind of do what you want. And I honestly think if we actually allow ourselves the space to be that person instead of trying to stifle it, because I think often we might say fuck you about something we really don't agree with. And then we immediately feel guilty for expressing ourselves. Now, obviously, don't be a dick. You don't need to be rude to people. You can apologize. But I also think that there is something really powerful about surrounding yourself with people that understand where you are and what's going on. Like, I am in a place where if this continues to happen for me regularly, like it has been, I'm literally going to mark out a calendar for my spouse and be like, look, this is the week where I need you to have extra patience with me because I'm crying. I'm upset. And all I need is like, love me, but don't touch me energy. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Where you just want to be like cuddled in love, but also you want everybody to get the fuck away from you and not even look at you. Like, I feel like that is the energy of the, of the week before your period. Like, love me, pet me, but don't touch me. You know, it's, it, it's, 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 it is what it is. And thankfully, I feel like I'm in a place where, I'm very honored and very fortunate that my significant other is very, very, very tapped in to his own divine femininity. And because of that, I feel like he honors that in me at every stage of the cycle, even without knowing what's going on, like me not knowing exactly where it is. I feel very like held and loved and nurtured. But also if I want to be alone, I'm totally left alone. Um, 
I feel like if you are able to surround yourself with people that can honor that in you, it's going to be the most helpful. So that's basically the archetypal stages. And then you basically it cycles back, you go into menstruation, you go back to the crone phase, which is very like wise. And honestly, uh, there's so much to say about the crone phase that I totally left out. This is why I think this could really be a there. Maybe I'll do a second episode in the future. Um, Y'all will have to send me some when you see the post on Instagram about this when this episode goes live, make sure that you leave me some comments about it. Like if you want a sequel episode, let me know. Um, I'm still gonna keep talking. I have more to say. This is a lengthy episode today. But I would love to do an episode just covering those archetypes and talking about every step, every, every, like phase individually and what they all represent and what it can look like for you. So Now I want to talk about as like the final closing note here, I want to talk basically about the changes that I have actually made and things that I've seen improve because these are things that might help you. If you're somebody that struggles, if this has resonated with you, everything that I've said today, um, I first need to say again, (laughs) I'm not a medical professional. Please seek medical attention. If you feel like you need that, don't just do something because I'm doing it, but The first thing is that I had to come to a place where I could forgive my body because I think that especially with polycystic ovarian syndrome, if, if you have a deep level of hatred for your menstrual cycle, for your body, because it's painful, because it hurts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you have a deep level of hatred for it, that's only going to fester in your body more And so we have to get to a place where we can find forgiveness or at least be okay. And I think ultimately the thing that got me there was I wrote a letter to my uterus. (laughs) Literally, I wrote a letter and I just let it all out. I was like, fuck you. I hate you. You do this to me. You make me hurt like this. You make me feel sick. I hate this so much. I feel like I can't do A, B, and C when you're here. You don't come regularly. You torture me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I sat and I did that deep, deep womb breathing and I listened to what she had to say. And I'm not going to share that part of my journey because that to me is like very sacred and special, the whispers that I heard back from my own body. But that was a deeply transformative time that allowed me the space to have real forgiveness and to start to learn that this was a place of self-empowerment instead of feeling defeated about it. It was me. This was the like pivotal point where I became an advocate for my reproductive health instead of me just pretending it didn't exist and trying to run away from it. So then um, I continued to obtain knowledge. I think knowledge is power personally. And I'm going to leave you with a slew of books down below to check out. So a couple that I haven't read, but have come highly recommended. So I'm going to leave them and some that I have. So let's go over the ones that I have read first, uh, which by Lisa Lister. I loved this book. I know a lot of people have problems with it. I've already talked to you about why. Read at your own discretion. I think it's still good information, even if you disregard the pieces about uh, her talking about who can and can't be a witch. I think the book is still valuable. Um, 
Code Red by Lisa Lister, where all of this information on the different phases of your cycle comes from. This is all about cycle charting and how you can make more room for yourself with that menstruation cycle. Um, we have also the um, Fix Your Period, which I can't remember who this is by, but again, I'll link them down below. Fix Your Period. I don't really like that it's titled that because I feel like when we sit there and we pick ourselves apart and we pretend that we are all something that needs to be fixed, quote unquote, it inspires the idea that we are broken. And so the title's kind of mer, but the knowledge in the book I appreciated. There's this, the Fix Your Period book is such a well-documented piece of literature that I want to say the author might even be like a medical professional that works with women and like, or people who menstruate and reproductive health. And this book gives you like a week by week process of what to do to get back in sync with your cycle, even if you have endo or PCOS or you deal with something else. And I really liked the layout of this book. It had such valuable information. Um, this book, oh my gosh, this one is a tome. So like, I would not recommend reading it all in one sitting because you won't be able to. It's huge. But taking charge of your fertility. This book is actually written by a doctor. And it is all about the reproductive system and the endocrine system. And it gives like pictures and examples and graphs. And it talks about how we can go through more natural forms of um, charting the cycle and charting our temperatures and things like that and cervical fluid or cervical mucus, I think is the right word. Uh, and basically to avoid pregnancy without birth control. And this person goes in depth on why the pill is just kind of trash and it is not for, it is not pro reproductive health. It is not pro, like we think it's pro it's, it's for us, but it's not. And this one, I feel like Fix Your Period talked about that a lot too, how the pill is just like not it. Um, but if you're looking for more information on that, those two books I felt like gave a lot of information. Um, the book Pussy. <laughs> um, there's a book called Cunt and a book called Pussy, and I'm putting them both down there. I have not read them. I want to say the book Pussy no, it, actually, I think it's cunt. The book cunt, this one really talks about the word cunt and how it is our only word in the English language that only refers to the uh, vagina, to that the that organ. Because even the word vagina, it, it translates to a sheath for a sword, which I am nobody's sheath. Thank you very much. Um, and it really like when we reclaim the word cunt and where it comes from, like, think about that, especially in American culture. I can't speak to other places. I want to say in like England, cunt is a very common word. But if you think about the word cunt in America, nobody fucking says that word. They're all scared of it and they think it's offensive or they don't use it because it feels offensive. And the sad part is, is the word is the only word we technically have in terms of it not having to be something for the male gaze. And I hate, I hate that for us. I hate that. I hate that this fucking patriarchal society literally even said, nope, the word cunt sucks too. Don't use that. And all of us have believed it. I mean, I did. I wasn't allowed to say that word growing up. I only say it now. Same with the word pussy. I wasn't allowed to say that growing up either. 
Um, now I say them because I don't think they're bad words and they're not. Even if we look at them through the lens of literature, they're not bad words. Uh, so both of those books and then is that everything? I think there's one. Oh, Love Your Lady Landscape by Lisa Lister was also another good one, especially if you struggle with endometriosis. I feel like uh, Lisa writes from a perspective of somebody who deals with reproductive and endocrine issues. And so great books, slew of knowledge if you want any of it. Um, now I want to talk to you also about supplementation. Uh, now I will say, Again, please consult your doctor. Do not use me as a doctor. I am not one. But something that I feel like has very, very, very much contributed to me getting back in touch with my natural period cycle and actually getting my period to show up month after month is I take a supplement called Ovacetol. I will link the specific one that I take because not all of them are made the same. And this one comes highly recommended. It is kind of expensive. I will not lie to you about it, but you do get a three month supply. So it's not like you're buying this every single month. And I actually only take it once a day. They direct you to take it twice a day. So mine will last me for six months. And I have already seen it doing something for me. So 10 out of 10 recommend so far. I think it's done good things for me and my reproductive health. But Ovacetol, it's basically this like flavorless powder that you just put into your water or any drink that is not carbonated it can go into. And it's made to help with like ovary health and egg health, I believe. And um, it's been good. I've really enjoyed it for myself. I like it. You can also get it in little packet form so you can carry it in your purse. And I have really seen good things from it. Um, some people also recommend Vitex. I don't take Vitex, but I've heard that it's a good one. So you may want to look into Vitex. I'm not going to link it down below because I don't have a good source that I've used myself yet. Um, the other thing that I do take, which is an affiliate link. So if you want to use it, I would appreciate it, but you don't have to. Um, it does get you a discount though, if you decide to order it. So you save money and I save money on my next bottle, which I have used these for months. So I do recommend them and I do think they have helped me as well. Um, I also take ritual vitamins. Um, and it's not sponsored or anything. I just actually like their vitamins. Uh, it's a multivitamin, which I can't say specifically if this has helped with my endocrine system, but I feel like these two things in tandem have, because in this multivitamin, it also gives me B vitamins. Um, I'm getting vitamin D I'm getting, uh, what's it called? Omega-3, which is really important, especially for polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I'm getting other supplementation that my body has a harder time coming by. So I will recommend Ritual Vitamins. I feel like they're really good. They taste like mint, like they don't taste gross. Um, and they look cool. They're just, I don't know. I like them. My husband, like, I like them so much. I have ordered them now. I think I'm on like my fourth, third or fourth bottle and my husband now takes them too, because they also make them for uh, men. They make a women's and a men's vitamin. So, um, and I think they also do kids and protein powder, I think. But my husband and I now both take them because I have liked them so much that now he takes them too. So um, I do take those as well. And I do think that that helps too. And 
Now the real exciting stuff. I saved the best for last. The thing I wanted to cover the most throughout this podcast is the chest. (laughs) And actually, we're going to hear another word from our sponsor. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about what the chest is. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so the chest. This is something that I've implemented within the last couple of months, and it's been something I've built up over time. So I don't want you to think that you have to do everything right now today. I don't want you to think that you have to spend a bunch of money to do this because you don't. This can literally just be a notebook and a pen in a box. Like it doesn't have to be everything. I'm going to link everything that I put into mine down below for you. Um, But let me just explain. So When it comes to my cycle, because I used to demonize this part of my life, I have now instead made it my mission to honor this part of my life. And because I have the freedom to do it, meaning I don't, I'm not constrained by children. I'm not constrained by a job. I also think that these things, like I do have a job, but you know what I mean? Like I make my own hours and I can set my time accordingly, but You don't have to do every single one of these things, but I think even just adding a couple of these things can be so gratifying. So the chest, if you will, is literally a trunk that I have put together that has all of these things that the week that I am menstruating, they are just for me, just for that time. Nobody else is allowed to touch them. Nobody else is allowed to eat them or touch anything in the chest. This is my chest. And everything that I use is a representation of honoring this time period, honoring this week time, this week long time period where maybe I need to be gentler, I need to rest, I need to go inward, I need to journal, I need to be with myself. Because even if we look back on ancient times, uh, there's a book called The Red Tent. I'll also link it down below. I have not read this book myself, but it's on my hot list. I really want to. This book is all about how women would go out into the red tent together to menstruate together. And I think the sad thing is, is that society has taught us that like, women would be sent away, which that might even be the case in this book. I haven't read it. So I don't know. But from what I understand, women actually wanted to go like, this was their time for rest. This was their time to be in the bonds of sisterhood together. Just like how My sister's experience, even though though I never got to talk to her about the experience and may she rest in peace, she is dead. Um, Gosh, that was so, (laughs) listen, as a total side note, I'm very comfortable with my sibling's death. Like, I know that might be hard to hear. I'm very much in a state of acceptance. I'm not saying I never cry or grieve about it periodically, but talking about it isn't really hard for me because I very much accept it now. Um, so I'm not trying to make light of like the dead, but um, I'm, I'm very much in acceptance of it. But anyways, 
Um, never did get to ask her what her feelings were. But to me, that was what sitting in the bonds of sisterhood was, was sitting in this intimate candlelit dinner with all of these important matriarchs in my life and honoring something like this. And so this is kind of what I give to myself on a monthly basis now. Um, I draw back. I might spend time with my girlfriends usually, like all virtually. We might play games together or have a little wine night or something. But for the most part, I usually stay very sovereign unto myself. And I have in this trunk only things that I use during that time. So I have jewelry that I wear only during this time. And I would recommend if you don't have a cycle that comes consistently, start wearing the jewelry during the time that it would. If you could have your most amazing for you version of your cycle, start honoring it like it already happens that way. Because I also believe in the power of manifestation. And if you start making the space, she'll show up, I promise. Um, so I have jewelry that I put on during this time. And I bleed with the dark moon at this point, which is during the new moon. And so during the new moon time, I have a, all of it is carnelian jewelry that I got from Bow Life. I do have a coupon code if y'all want to purchase. Again, not, this is not a sponsorship. I just want y'all to save money if you decide to do this. So I'll put the coupon code with it. But I have the ring, the earrings, and the necklace, and they're all you can get them in silver or gold. I have the gold ones, um, gold carnelian pieces. And I keep them in these beautiful velvet boxes that they come with. And I keep them in my trunk at all other points when I'm not menstruating. And this is my menstruation jewelry. I honor myself with it. I've cleansed it with intentions of stepping into my goddess energy, of stepping into my crone energy. And it is a reminder. Like, I won't even wear my wedding ring during this time. I will wear the carnelian ring where my where my wedding ring would be because I'm being sovereign unto myself. I'm not, I mean, I am married legally, but at this time period, I'm not honoring that. I'm not like, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm honoring my energy. I'm not thinking about my partner and I'm not, I hope that makes sense. So I have jewelry. I also have a set of red sheets that go onto my bed. And um, I really like silk sheets because I just think that they're nice. I want to say they're actually satin. They're not real silk. I will link them down below for you. Um, they're actually relatively inexpensive. I got them on Amazon and I literally have them on my bed for one week out of the month. And they just remind me of like luxury and royalty. And during this time period, I don't want to hide myself away necessarily because I think there's something wrong with me. I want to honor that crone wise energy. And I also keep a bar of chocolate that is my chocolate. I don't share it with anybody else in my house. And it's one of those like big, I can't link this one for you, unfortunately, because I don't think they sell it online. But it is a one pound bar of chocolate from Trader Joe's that has almonds in it. And this is the bar that I like buying because it's big. I usually don't eat it all during that week because it's too big. So I might buy like a couple of them and just keep them in there for when I need them during that time. But they're like these great big chocolate bars and they really fulfill what I need. Uh, you could also do like ceremony grade cacao I've heard is really nice. I haven't used that myself, but apparently it's the tits. Uh, I also have a red journal and a red fountain pen that's basically during the crone period, 
<laughs> the crone period of your period. That's funny. The crone, the week of the crone archetype, your dreams. And I have experienced this as well. Your dreams and like psychic ability is off the fucking rails. Like <laughs> I have had the most profound messaging come through from my subconscious over this time. I am, I believe I am inherently way more magical when I am in that crone archetype and my new moon intentions now that I have been like linking them up this way. And if you don't bleed on a specific moon, don't worry about that. Like that's not the point of your period to make it perfectly aligned with the moon. Um, if you do cool story, that is actually another podcast for another time because there's so much information in when you bleed and what that means. Again, let me know on Instagram if you want a continuation of this podcast, because there's so much more I could say. So sheets, chocolate, jewelry. Um, I used to keep wine for myself, but wine gives me really bad heartburn. So I have stopped drinking it unless it's a special occasion. But maybe champagne. I do love a good champagne sometimes. So um, but I'll keep like something I like to drink. Maybe it's a soda, maybe it's a juice, I might even go out and buy it fresh if it has to be refrigerated, whatever it is. And that I really like having for myself. Um, I haven't done this yet. But pajamas, uh, I would like to buy myself like a nice robe and some pajamas, but I haven't done that yet. But that's something I would put in there. And I also have invested in period panties. Um, I really, 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 really love period panties. Um, I like the ones from Victoria's Secret personally. I think they're good. They, I like the ones that are like the shorts that look like boxer briefs. Now that I have used period panties, I will never go back to using a pad. Like... And if you use a pad or a tampon or what have you, like, good for you. I'm not trying to tell you that you shouldn't. But I don't know about y'all, but I'm very sensitive. Like, I have really sensitive skin. I am convinced I might be on the spectrum because I'm very, like, and I'm just highly sensitive. So, like, seams and if my pad rubs or anything like that, I can't handle it. <laughs> and don't even get me started on like the bleach and shit that they put on some of those pads not good for your vagina but um I really like the period underwear because you wash them in their own cycle like don't wash them with other stuff but usually I'll soak them in something first like a bucket or something and then I will put them into the wash after my cycle and uh, the bucket that you soaked them in first, you can pour that onto your plants. And it is so good for your plants because it literally is like, I want to say it's like stem cells or something that you exit out of your body through there. And it's so good for your plants. So like so many good things, use the reusable stuff if you can. Uh, and then I also use a menstrual cup if I have a lot of bleeding. So that you can also take that out, pour it out onto your plants. Um, I've even, I've never done this myself, but you can also like lay the blood out. And I know some people are going to be grossed out by this, but I don't really care. Like I said, we are not making apologies in this episode. Um, you can lay it out on like parchment paper, let it dry and then flake it off. And if you're into witchcraft, you can use that in your spell crafting period blood. Um, it's actually extremely potent and powerful. That stuff literally like creates life. So extremely, extremely powerful. I've used uh, menstruation blood on spell candles and had stuff go 
incredibly well. Like, I definitely believe in using that for magical purposes. Extremely powerful stuff. You can also use it to, like, paint pictures, watercolor paintings if you wanted. There are so many good uses for, like, connecting with your own blood that way. And... Anyways, the trunk, that is kind of what I keep in there. You can probably do so many other things. Um, sometimes I'll keep like a book that I've been reading or maybe there's a movie I like to watch on my period. I would keep that in there. You know, I'm just giving you ideas now. But that is that is what I do. And I honor that week, that week of the new moon. I work significantly less, even maybe not even at all. I definitely always take the day of the new moon to just kind of chill for the most part and do like light work. Uh, and if there's anything that I can put off or like move around, I'll try to do it beforehand when my energy is really high and just really honor that week. And that to me, even if you just started doing that, really honoring your cycle just in general, I promise you it will change the relationship that you have with your cycle. It will I have not talked to a single person that has put any of this stuff into practice and not had them immediately notice a difference within like one to two months of how different they feel of how like symptoms that they were having that were really horrendous have dissipated. And honestly, it's usually just, and I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, just putting it out there. But a lot of times it is something that is being suppressed within that causes a lot of the discomfort and when the more we let it out and we make the space and we kind of like when you do I don't know if this is the same I literally just came up with this right now but it reminds me a little bit of doing like trauma work where when you let those emotions come to the surface and you feel them then they are able to dissipate so for me allowing myself the space to sit and cry with my womb space and be in that like crazy amount of pain and letting it be there and loving myself through the process has dramatically transformed the experience that I have now. And I feel like I could probably do an update episode on this in the future because it's only been a few months and I would like to kind of see how it continues to carry forward for me. But all I can say right now is I'm showing up here today or I have showed up here today to tell you about this because I'm in the process of healing this. And I don't think we hear enough from people that are in the process. It's usually people who are like done and then they try to tell you everything that they did. And I'm still in the process. I'm still working through it. I'm still figuring it out. Ultimately, I'm just trying to get back into the flow of myself and the last thing I will give you for this is one more practice that you may want to consider that I think has dramatically improved my quality of life so far is I also carry a little tiny notebook with me. And especially if you're into astrology, I think this is even more powerful. You can get an app called The Moon. That's the one that I use. I know it's on iOS. I don't know if it's on Android. And every day, look at where the moon is. What kind of moon is it? Is it waxing? Is it waning? Is it a crescent? Is it a gibbous? Is it full? Is it new? Look at the astrological sign that, that it's in. And then I want you to record how your feelings were that day. And so far, I'm on month two of this. There is a direct correlation. 
<laughs> I'm actually astounded with the stuff that I'm finding about this. For myself, I can already see where I have natural cycles and patterns that are showing up. And I think the longer I do this, the more I'm going to see it. So just really fascinating to the point that I can start to use this information to empower myself instead of feel guilty or bad. And I can be more prepared to be open to holding more space for myself at certain times instead of just trying to steamroll or fucking wrecking ball my life. I can actually take all this information and do something good for myself with it. So that is what I have for you. I hope this podcast was not all over the place. I know I literally just talked at you for like almost an hour and a half. I knew this episode was going to be like this. There are a ton of resources down below for you if you would like to listen to them. Let me know if you would like a continuation episode because I would love to talk about the different moon phases during your cycle and I would love to dive more into these archetypes. Ooh, one last thing. I'm so sorry. There is also the book Women Who Run With Wolves. Women Who Run With the Wolves. I haven't read the book, but I have listened to the abridged audiobook. And I didn't know this because I ordered the book after listening to the audiobook. I believe the audiobook is abridged because it's only two and a half hours and the book is thick. So I haven't read the book, but I will still link it. The audiobook is phenomenal. Like, it's, it is definitely the best book that I have probably listened to on Audible out of every book I've listened to. Like the audiobook is totally worth it. If you can just get one, I recommend the audiobook. It was so good and talks a lot about like the female archetypes of things. And it was just, it would be a good thing to listen to during your cycle. I feel like it would make you feel powerful. So that is what I have for you. I love you so much. Let me know if you enjoyed the conversation, if you want us to keep opening it here. And please do not forget when you stand on your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. I love you so much and I'll talk to you again next time. Bye.